hello. Hello, it's Keith. Oh, hello there. How are you? Fine, how are you? Not bad, yes, it's been a little while since I've yeah, given you a Yeah, a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I actually don't really have a lot going on, frankly. How are you doing anymore? Horrible stomach ailments? Nope. Well, that's nope. good. Have you been, yeah, I don't know, has it just uh, been sticking to alternative diets or just I seem just to have lucky? it completely under control. <laughs> well, that's good. That is good. Man, it is crazy too, just the just the amount of weird things that can go wrong. Just today, I just happened to be, I watch all kinds of weird YouTube videos, like people that just, uh, you know, they just sit in their bedroom and vlog about their lives or whatever. So today, just that it was like, it was about how to live with IBS, like irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay, let's watch that. And yeah, like, I don't know, just that that's just one of a thousand things that can just make your life a gigantic, awful pain. <laughs> it's just brutal. Yeah, especially if you don't uh, if you don't make any effort to try to control it, and you just kind of go from attack to attack to attack. Yeah, or it seems like a lot of the with whatever the thing is. Like I guess it was the same with you of just like not knowing what it is at first. Like this person didn't know they had it until they were like twenty or something. And yeah, I don't know. Just to, it's nice that uh, there's so much more stuff now with the internet and whatnot about being well, able to figure this stuff out. When somebody tells you what it is, then you can do, can do so much research on it yourself. But like when I first had it there a couple of years ago, like I had no idea what it was. I was thinking, God, am I have, am having a heart attack? Because then you'd read the symptoms of heart attacks in women, which is different than men. And it was like, oh yeah, it could be that. And then you're reading maybe something else and you read it and oh yeah, hey, it could be that. Like it could be any number of things. That's one thing, uh, so my big ailment lately is uh, I've noticed uh, ever since like before I left Toronto, I started exercising more and uh, and there's this one, I don't remember the name of it now, but this one particular muscle that goes from like at the back of the neck kind of down to the shoulder blades that is definitely my like Achilles heel. Like it's the, always the one that gets sore or something happens to it. And uh, before I even quit that coffee job, so it's been a while, like, I definitely, like, tore the muscle or something, something pretty bad. Like, I really just had to stop exercising completely for two weeks or something and then just slowly. But but even that, I've only recently realized, like, I was looking up stuff on how to kind of rehab it and what kind of exercises I should be doing, but I wasn't looking up the right thing, you know? Because to me, I think of it as my shoulder because it makes me not able to use my right hand very well, my right arm. But then I realized I'm supposed to be searching for like upper back. It's actually upper back pain, but I just was looking at shoulder stuff, so I don't know. That's like uh, when your sciatic nerve affects you. It can affect anywhere from your foot to your back to your, uh, well, hands. It could, it could be hands too. That's one thing I was kind of concerned about. Like maybe I'll ask you about that a bit more because uh, like I was wondering if because when I looked this up, they were talking about nerves getting pinched and whatnot, and I was like, I hope this isn't that. I hope it is just the muscle. And the way I figured out that it's the muscle is that I hurt the muscle on the other side also, just not as bad. <laughs> but I was like, okay, that's the same pain on the other side of my body, so it's clearly the muscles, like it's not. But yeah, so uh, why don't you school me a so little bit like, on... Yeah, well, like when I had the, the, uh, the first sciatic nerve thing that I had, I had fallen up at Collins and uh, hit my right leg, let's say, and uh, I had fallen on some ice and it was like, like literally, I saw stars. I was like, I know that's a saying, you think that it's just a saying, but it was like, oh my God, I'm seeing stars here. Anyway, I hauled myself up and it was about three weeks later in my left leg, 
uh, down below the knee. Um, like I couldn't, I had this terrible pain. And when I would get up to walk, it was like it was a dead weight. And, you know, I'd kind of fall down. And uh, so eventually I, uh, I went to go and get that checked out after, after a couple of days. And uh, how was it they determined it? It's something to do when they said, touch your toes. And I, I couldn't touch my toes. I couldn't even get close to them. And then she said, I think it's your sciatic nerve. And then they checked out my back and everything. And sure enough, yep, that's what it was. They did an x-ray of my back. So um, they asked, and I never made the connection at all. They asked me, uh, had, had I injured it or fallen or on my back? And I said, no, I didn't. And it was only later, I went home and I was reading about it, and I said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, yeah, three weeks ago, I fell, but I injured the other side. And then I realized, yeah, the sciatic nerve travels from your toes up through your back to your head. And uh, so what happened is the injury must have just traveled up uh, and was uh, went all through, went down my back, and the nerve was, it got lodged in my leg. Man. So, uh, and then years and years and years ago, and they could never tell what it was, but I think it was a sciatic nerve then, too. In my left foot, you were just a baby at the time, and I, I started feeling this kind of pain in the ball of my foot. And I said, Jesus, and as the day went on, it was terrible. I couldn't walk on it. It was, oh, it was horrible. So uh, I went to get that checked out, and they told me it was gout. But they did a uric acid test and came back and said, no, it wasn't gout. They didn't know what it was. So they gave me some kind of medication of some kind, told me to keep my feet up for a couple of days, which I did, and then it went away. So nobody ever explained what that was, but I suspect it was a sciatic nerve problem. Um, but that I must have at some point, I don't know, jumped off something maybe and hit the foot. And so that would have later, been... So that... It shows up. So that first time, though, like that would have been when you were in your 30s then? Yeah, uh, yeah. I would have been about uh, about 31. Okay. I was just curious if it is just something that happens as you get older or maybe it's just something that you've always had or it, how it works. Heredity thing. Yeah. It's, uh, the sciatic nerve is a heredity thing. What it is is it's in your backbone, your back, your ba- your spine. It's just off, just a little, ki- just a tiny little bit so that the pads in your back that are normally cushion you're uh, between the vertebrae. One of them is like a little, like flat, and is being pressed upon by uh, by the spine, and it's pinching the nerve. Hmm. But the nerve travels is like a major, major vein, a nerve that travels throughout your entire body. And uh, when you, you're, there's pressure on there, the pain or the the damage or whatever, it travels down in the nerve and it lodges somewhere. And that's where you feel it in these weird places. Colin Smart told me that he gets it. He'll get a pain in his leg below the calf. And it was when he used to uh, drive a lot of vehicles for Clark's when he worked, when he worked at that automotive place. Right. And he'd carry his wallet in his, in his right pants pocket in the back. And by sitting on that, it would push on that nerve. And the pain would, be, would show up in his leg. Man, just something that little, man. Yeah, That's a and bad I've heard other things. And when I went online and read that, they oftentimes said that men oftentimes feel it's because they carry their wallet in their back pocket. Yeah, it's one thing I don't do that, but I do have, um, like, my body is not uh, 
like my hips are slightly out of alignment or whatever and my shoulders are much more like much more noticeable like one side is lower than the other and that's one of those things too i've been looking up exercises for and it's coming back into balance but i assume that it's not going to help <laughs> it's a sort of sucky. and there's nothing you can do about your about sciatica it's mm-hmm. just uh pain a, a back pain and see i've had back pain off and on for years but you usually get up and walk around and it feels better and actually when i had that leg injury same thing when I was laying down. Oh my God, it was bad. But when you get up and start moving around, it, it goes away. And that's, uh, I don't know, it's just tricky to that whole area. Like I remember I watched a thing about, like it's weird how uh, it must be nice in some ways to just really believe like, oh, there's God's great plan and everything makes sense and everything's here for a reason. Cause I really absolutely don't think that. I think it is the opposite. Like, like, uh, you know, when bacteria kind of forms in a puddle, <laughs> like I kind of feel like that's what happened on Earth over millions of years. Like just people are here, but it's kind of happenstance because there was a whole thing about how bad it is for us to walk on two feet. Like we're not set up for that. We're set up to be on all fours. So our circulation is bad trying to pu- push blood up to our bodies, like when it, our bodies are supposed to be horizontal and it so yeah. it'd be a lot easier and uh and then yeah just that's why everybody in the world has back pain because we're not supposed to do this but like yeah this idea that evolution even even if that's what you believe in that it has this like like guiding will but it doesn't it's just kind of random and weird and like now we're just these walking around on two legs bad backed weirdos <laughs> you know <laughs> like it's just like so random in fact, one of that, they say that actually that's one of the uh, the reliefs of sciatica is to get down on all fours. Right. <laughs> and when I uh, when I had it uh, to get out of to get off a of bed or something, well, I had to sleep on a couch so that I had a back support. But uh, I couldn't just sit up and get up. You actually had to kind of push yourself out onto the floor on all fours, and then work your way up. That was that was the only the, the only relief that you got because you just couldn't get get out of bed. You had to kind of roll, get down on all fours, and then kind of stand up from that level. Because being on all fours was a whole lot more uh, uh, relaxing or painless than trying to just stand up. Yeah, it's kind of funny too because uh, uh, it's probably not coincidence, but a lot of the stretches for this upper back problem that I've been having are like you know when uh, kids walk around like they're tigers you know with their shoulder blades kind of popped out it's a lot of that kind of stuff so I mean even that just being on all fours like probably not not coincidence that yeah. It's interesting too, I'm just like in front of my, my normal spot I always go to with the big window and there's all these people walking by outside and I'm just watching them all walk by on their two legs and now it's seeming so weird all of a sudden. <laughs> like, I mean, what is even happening? Yeah, we should be getting down. Um, so tell me about the, um, the big storm you guys had out there. Yeah, so actually, uh, I mean, I guess the main, it didn't really hit me that bad, even Thursday when I didn't make it out to call you, like, the storm was pretty much over by that point. It was just, even today, it's still raining like crazy and stuff. I just, Thursday, I don't know, I just woke up late and it was still raining and I was like, nuts to this, I'm not, I'm not going outside. But I guess the real bad part was actually the day before that and, uh, yeah, I don't know, it mostly just kind of missed me because I actually went to that writing class that day and uh, a person or two didn't make it and everybody was talking about the weather and it was, you know, it was all wet and it was all rainy but, uh, but yeah, I didn't actually realize how bad it was until later 
with all the people losing their power and stuff. Yeah, and then, I mean, when I heard about that woman being killed, I mean, there the poor soul is. She's just laying at home in bed. Bammo. Yeah, what happened? Like some, like a tree fell? I think, is there a place around there called Port Hope? Probably. Doesn't, it's not, that couldn't be that close, but... Well, it's somewhere, uh, and they, they made it sound like it wasn't that far from Vancouver. So it's not north, or uh, but it must be on the coast somewhere. Yeah, apparently uh, that storm was traveling through. A bunch of trees were being knocked down all over the place, power lines being knocked out. And she was at home in her bed, and they, the tree came right down through her house and killed her. <laughs> I wonder if it, if she was aware or if it just killed her. Like, I don't know. I always uh, think about that. Like, like people that say they want to die in their sleep, where, I don't know, I was like, I think I would want to be there for that final moment. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, oh, like oh my God. Kind of makes you wonder, yeah, was she cowering in her bed afraid <laughs> yeah. of the wind and it happened, or was she dead asleep? I mean, I think a lot of my vision of the world is still based on, like, Bugs Bunny cartoons and stuff, because I always, for some reason, I always think of a safe falling on my head or a or a piano and it's like I wouldn't want it to just hit me I want to look up and I want to have that moment of just like whoa you know <laughs> I think that'd be better but maybe not I don't know it just seems so weird to die in your sleep it's like what really you don't even want to know what it was like to feel excruciating pain for one more time well no you probably don't <laughs> yeah like I guess not like uh, Kevin Smith the director he has a story about um his uh, dad died of a heart attack and he wasn't there at the time but he heard the story of like his basically his dad his dad just felt really hot and was taking off all his he was in a hotel taking off all his blankets and then taking off his clothes and basically just kept feeling hotter and hotter like he was on fire and then he just died and that's obviously horrifying and if when it's happening to me I'll probably regret this opinion but I don't know I still feel like if it's the last thing you're ever going to experience isn't that better than nothing but mm. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe as I get older, I won't feel I like don't that know. anymore. <laughs> like, well, it depends. Like, I wouldn't want the lingering, like, you know, people that are... Man, like, I read this comic book a little while ago that was about a guy's mom. And uh, the mom had cancer, and it was about her fighting cancer. And it was weird because the dad was this kind of homeopathic hippie guy, and they'd gotten divorced a long time ago. And he was really against like going to the doctor and getting chemotherapy and stuff he was like you know what we could do like we can do all this ritual type stuff and like ease you into death like you know you're dead you're already dead so let's just do it in a nice way and not try to fight what nature's trying to do and he was kind of like the villain of the comic because you're like fuck you asshole <laughs> like you're not making this easier on anybody but in the end she went through all this horrifying chemotherapy and just like really terrible, just sick every day, just awful, awful stuff and bought herself like two more years and then died. And in the end, I was like, maybe the dad was right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like I wouldn't want that, that kind of long drawn out, throwing up every day on horrible chemotherapy medication all the time, maybe at that point. But if it's just like a moment, like a quick you know, a few minutes of being on fire or falling out of a building or a plane crashing or something. I feel like I want to be there for that one. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I reserve the right to change my opinion. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like I said, I haven't really been up to a whole lot. It's been... Uh, so how's the writing class going? It's not too bad. So uh, I really haven't learned anything. I mean, it is like an introductory, you know, type class or whatever. 
And uh, the teacher is, uh, he's okay. He's not like the most entertaining, you know, guy, which to me, I really think that would just be kind of better than anything. Just having a nice entertaining teacher is the best. But he is like a published author and he's published a bunch of short stories and stuff. So, I mean, he's pretty legit. He's not bad or anything. But it really is kind of the same old, I don't know, the same old stuff they do in high school classes. Like, here's uh, the different tenses, and here's, uh, I don't know, the denouement, blah, 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 <laughs> all the stupid shit. But it's kind of cool just to be around people that are, you know, just doing writing and are kind of interested in it. And, uh, and I wrote two little stories for the class, just as a, you know, that I wouldn't have written otherwise, so that's pretty cool. The first one, like, I put a lot of work into, and I really tried tough, like, hard with it, and I made it really good, and I think it is really good. But already by the second one, I was like, uh, like, it really needed a few more revisions, but it's just like, I just, whatever. <laughs> you know, this is fine. Like, what am I even going to do with these stories? So uh, even as I kind of, like, you know, uh, printed out the second one and gave it to the other people in the class, there's, like, 11 people in the class, I think. I did kind of think like, oh man, like I know this is a little rough. I wish I had worked on this a little more, but, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I already spent like, like, I don't know, I guess I don't even know how people do, like if you have a, another job, I don't feel like writing is something you can just do on the side. Like it takes so much time. Like my one story that I really worked on hard, it's just luckily I didn't have a job to go to, you know, and I really, I spent the whole week working on this thing. And I think it turned out really good, but like it's brutal. Like just to read over this story that was like seven or eight pages long, to really fine tooth comb it takes like an hour at least. And I must have done that like 16 times, you know? And that's after it's done. Like it's just, it's really hard. That's why people aren't good writers, I think. <laughs> why it's hard to find good writers is because it's super, super time consuming and really hard to do. And there's just no way around it. And that's probably why you get people like, well, I'll use Harry Potter as an example. There's no question the Harry Potter book is good. That woman worked on that for years so, yeah. before that was accepted. Then later, as as it became a popular item and she had to keep writing more because they, the next movie was going to be made or whatever, uh, you can tell the writing is nowhere, it's not even close to the caliber of the first book. Yeah, it really is. Like, it really wasn't until... I, I liked the first three. It was the fourth one when it really ballooned and got huge that I just didn't give a shit. I think I got halfway through the fifth book, and I was like, I can't anymore. But, uh, but when you think back to that first one, it is crazy how, uh, like, economical it is. Like, it gets across all those ideas in the smallest book, <laughs> you yeah. know? And has the big adventure story as well. Like, yeah, it's pretty, yeah. pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's amazing. It's well done, but I mean, it was years and years and years of revision and uh, taking that out, trying to sell it, and it wouldn't sell, and take, go, going back again and working on it again and tightening it up. And um, and you can see that uh, as, as time goes on, like, I mean, number two and number three aren't bad, but they're no, they're not tight like that first one. Yeah, I think number two and three, they kind of... Uh relied more on like they still had plot hooks that were kind of cool like in the second one you find out that it was Hagrid who opened the chamber of secrets when he was a student and you're like what and the third one had the time travel stuff that was really cool but yeah by the fourth one not only was it super long but there wasn't even like some kind of plot thing yeah, to yeah, pull really you along real sloppy put together. yeah like do you remember I think because I, I feel like we were both reading the fourth one because I seem to remember us talking about how by page like 150 or something of the fourth book they were just 
prepping to go to the stupid fucking winter dance. Oh where, yeah, and I, the, man, I gave up. I read that winter dance, and then I gave up. Yeah, because the God first book, sake. the first book was pretty much over at that point. Like the whole world had been built. They had a crazy adventure, and yeah, by the fourth one, winter dance. Like Jesus, really? <laughs> Come on. I feel like yeah, at that point, like who needs to hear about somebody's prom again? I feel like that's uh, the point where the movies actually got better because a movie can only be two hours or so, like you know, <laughs> regardless of how big the book is. In that first book, they did such a beautiful job of creating those characters, too. Like, in a minimum amount of words, you pictured exactly what those people looked like. And, and uh, their, their character. Uh, oh, oh, the, the, the first one of that is an ex- I recommend that to anybody. Yeah. Excellent book. It's but one of those other, things, too. Yeah. It's actually kind of better, I think, too, not to... Uh, not to delve so deeply in because as the books got longer and longer and there was like seven books like the uh the setting really couldn't couldn't sustain that like because if you really think about it it's like the the, this wizarding world coexisting with our modern world just doesn't work (laughs) you know like if you lean on that too hard it just falls over or even stuff like Quidditch. Like, once they had to film Quidditch and put it in movies, it's like, this game is really fucking stupid. <laughs> like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it was even, yeah, better on all fronts for it to be short. Did you ever... It's like, they just finished off the... Uh, I watched the last part of Downton Abbey. The, oh, last, yeah. uh, the last show of it. And it's the same. The early shows of it are really tight and well done. And as time goes on, like towards the end, it was like, oh, for God's sake, there's nothing happening here. I'm just watching these people's lives. And like, who cares? Yeah. Oh, like, the scenery's nice. And the clothing is wonderful. Yeah, I only saw a little bit of Downton Abbey, like first season stuff. But uh, but yeah, it's like every show's like that. We talked about Mad Men before or whatever. Like Buffy got really bad at the end. Like none of these shows should go as long as they go, really. It's weird, too, with TV, especially. And, I mean, like, Harry Potter is actually... It's like a movie version of TV, because <laughs> there was so many movies. There's like, eight movies, and now they're making another one. Not about Harry, but about some something else. But, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's, like, uh, it's so... I mean, it's just uh, the serial-type stuff of, like, let's just keep making it and keep making it. And I guess it's just so advertisers can... Like, it's just... It's not a good way to tell a story, <laughs> you know? It's just not a... Uh, it's all gonna die out but because of the business side of it like it can't die like they won't let these shows die until absolutely until everyone is over with long it. dead yeah period it's like you ever see that show dexter uh i've never seen dexter i saw one show or one partial part bit of dexter and but it was, uh it it looked all right but the same thing would happen with it of course yeah totally the same thing like it's the exact same situation where it started off pretty cool where it was set in miami which was kind of nice because everything in it's always new york or, or somewhere in la you know like so the the miami setting was cool and just the fact that this guy he was a serial killer but he only killed like other killers type of thing that's how they kind of get away with it but like like it was really cool and creepy just the way he had his little family and like his little he worked at the police station as a forensics guy but on the side he was this this killer and it was like this is pretty cool what a cool show but then season two was like okay this is getting a little long in the tooth and then three and then four and five and six and did it go six or seven i don't know but I stayed till the end and like I wish I didn't because <laughs> like why how is it ever gonna ever gonna be worth it I should have stopped like, I had like to give two. up watching Night of the Living Dead because uh, 
Oh, the, the Walking Dead? Oh, The Walking Dead, because right. for God's sake, how many times are you going to watch those zombies coming around and kill? It was all the same thing. And then eventually it was just human versus human. Right. Um, they weren't even bothering with the zombies anymore. But, yeah. Uh, it was just, yeah, I never well. got too far into that show either because, uh, yeah, that that's the thing they always say about... I don't know any of those types of stories is like it's really just the society blah 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 but then they always make the like most annoying straw characters where like somebody just acts like an asshole for no good reason or someone acts real stupid for no good reason and, and it's like I feel like there's more legitimate conflicts that you could deal with <laughs> you don't have to write these characters that are foolish to justify this conflict yeah, there's really... The only show I'm watching now is... Uh, I realized the other day, I was talking to Brad about how like, I don't watch any TV shows anymore. Uh, but then I realized I do watch one, that show Better Call Saul. But the oh, yeah. Breaking Bad uh, attorney yeah. guy. It's kind of neat, too, because it's like all the, it's all his early days, and uh, it's a lot more low-key, you know? Breaking Bad got, was a good show, but it was like hard to swallow at a point it's like as if as if this science teacher is the you know biggest drug kingpin in the southwest it's just like i just didn't believe it after a while but this is kind of cool because it's just it's a lot lower key it's just his uh he got a job in like a real law firm because his brother is like a legit his brother's michael mckean and his brother's like a, a real lawyer and it's just the whole show is just this tug of like he just he wants to be saul he wants to have the gaudy you know uh television commercials and he wants to work with the shady side of the law but he's trying to stay legit and that's really the whole show but I kind of like it yeah I saw uh, the first uh, the first two seasons of Better Call Saul I think I think the second one is going now yeah uh, well then I'm a, I, I must have only seen the first because I don't get that channel anymore right um, I got rid of the, I, I downsized all these stupid channels that we had because I got annoyed with the with Rogers one day trying to sell me a thing and I said, I forgot, take, I don't want any of it, get rid of it. <laughs> so I'm down to a kind of basic baggage. But I've got this channel that they that's called Show Me where you can watch uh, old TV shows, movies, and there's no commercials in them. And, geez, I've been watching The Twilight Zone. Oh, man, that's good. 1959 to 1961 or 62. And you can watch all the episodes that show too i mean i guess when i watched it i actually i looked up the list of the best episodes so i got the best of the best but i couldn't believe how good it was like it holds up so well that is and the the uh for 24 minute shows they have changes uh, there's always a couple of changes to scenery in most of them um they've got some real top name actors who weren't top name at the time they were just starting out and the way it was like shot on film and in black and white, it still looks like perfect. Like it doesn't yep. look old even. And pretty good, pretty good storylines in each of the episodes. So I watched all of episode two, uh, or, or season two, which was uh, 29 shows, I think. And now I'm watching episode one. There's <laughs> a... Kind of doing everything a little backwards. And as I can tell, there seemed to be five seasons. There yeah, because uh, there was actually one season, I think it was season four, where the show was an hour long, and uh, I never saw any of those, but I've been curious, I wonder, because those ones weren't on Netflix for some reason, that's how I saw it, but I wonder how it works as an hour, or I wonder if that's too long, because then they went back to half an hour after that. Well, I'll let you know once I start watching season four. There's one, uh, I think it's the premiere of season three, I think, but it's this, man, it's so good. It's uh, it's like a post-apocalypse sort of thing where this dude is just walking through a, a totally deserted, like destroyed town 
and he there's no one else around and he finds this woman who can't speak his language like i think she's russian or something and you know they were on the opposite sides of this horrible nuclear war that killed everybody but they just kind of learn to trust each other and the whole thing is like without them being able to talk to each other and it was like even today if they put that out it would be like one of those like unexpected groundbreaking like they'd be like holy crap did you see that episode of that show where like they didn't talk for the whole episode but it was like you said it's in the 60s and it's it's really good so whenever that yeah, one well, comes up it's awesome i'm very impressed uh with with the filming of it the acting the sets i mean they're exceptionally well done and the amount of stuff that they can squeeze into 24 minutes because the average show is 24 to 25 minutes it's just incredible. I was saying that to Neil the other day. Like, there's no way they could make something like that on TV today uh, in half an hour. They'd have to have the full hour. It was interesting, too. Uh, I was reading about it, how I guess uh, a lot of uh, how it came about is because Rod Serling was a just a big science fiction fan. And, like, he would actually just read through all these short stories and stuff and handpick a lot of things. And, like, they really... It wasn't just a bunch of TV writers writing a bunch of fucking bullshit, <laughs> you know? Like, they went to, like, actual writers that wrote real stuff. Although there was one episode that's called, uh, I Sing the Body Electric, I think, that was, like, an Isaac Asimov story. Like, somebody really famous, and it was awful. <laughs> it was weird, because he's one of the few authors I recognized, and it was the worst one I ever saw. It was just about this, like, maid that they have who's a robot, and it's all sweet and terrible. Like, it was one of the... Like, occasionally they'll do those episodes that are kind of, like, funny or something. Like, they're not a creepy twist. And it never works. <laughs> like, it's always the creepy twist that's the best episodes. There's this one episode of that that if I ever somehow got power in Hollywood and I could make movies or something, I looked up and it's it's nobody's favorite episode. It's not in anybody's top ten. But I thought it was so cool where it was uh, a little town during the Civil War. And this guy shows up in the town and everybody's frozen and they're just not moving and he's like i don't understand what's going on and it basically this is the weirdest plot but he he finds out that somebody from the south has gotten a hold of uh like some kind of necronomicon style book where he can confer with the devil and like get use like evil horrible magic powers and and he's planning to use these powers so that the south will win the civil war and I was like, wouldn't that be a fucking cool movie? Like, now that they have all these dumb movies like uh, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, and Pride and Prejudice, and Zombies and stuff, if it was like a Civil War movie, except the South has Satan on their side and literally has magic powers. <laughs> like, that would be so cool. And, of course, because it's just a quick Twilight Zone episode, basically the guy just uh, repents and realizes, like, this is insane. Even if it would help the South win, I can't I can't call upon the devil. <laughs> like, that's way too much. But I would love to make that into a movie. That would be the coolest. And certainly you don't, you don't see that coming. Like, even when you've seen a bunch of Twilight Zones and you feel like you've a little bit got a hold of the formula, then they'll do something like that. And you're like, really? The devil? <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? It just amazes me, too, the stars that are in it. Like I saw one the other day that had uh, Dennis Weaver was the star in it. Another one where uh, Buddy Ebsen, who, who became uh, uh, Pa in the um, uh, Beverly Hillbillies, was in it. Uh, oh, one of the real famous ones is uh, the gremlin on the, on the side of the plane is William Shatner, is the guy yeah. who... <laughs> yeah. Young, uh, young Willie Shatner. 
Yeah, and there, yeah, he was in one already with uh, uh, this young gal, and they were uh, they were just married, and they were in into a restaurant and would put put money into a penny in a penny machine where it would give your uh, future. So he was the star in that one. But but it's but it's amazing. Almost every every one of them. You look at there was an an actress I saw the other day. Her name is Ida Lupino who was a famous actress in the 1940s and then moved on and produced a whole lot of feminist-type movies. Right. She was in it. And this would be in 1960. Well, I don't think she was had been making movies for about, oh, I don't know, probably, I don't know, late 40s, early 50s, I guess. And then she went on to do all these, these movie production things in the 50s and into the 1960s. Well, here she was starring in A Twilight Zone and from 1959. Yeah, that's definitely the the sense that you get from that show is that it's not just uh, like let's just grind out a show to fill up the airwaves. Like it, I mean, just examples like that. Like it's obvious that Rod Serling gave a shit, and he's like, go find that person or whatever. Like you know. And there must have been people who said, "Hey, sure, I'll do that." Yeah. You know, really well-known actors and actresses who are saying, "Sure, I'll sure I'll be in that. Why not?" Yeah, that is a cool show. Now I'm thinking back, because yeah, it was me and uh, Craig at the apartment in Toronto. We went through a phase where we watched a whole bunch of those. And, like, there was one about a uh, a camera that took a picture that, like, when you, it took your picture, it, like, somehow showed how you were going to die. And then, but then people started realizing that, and so it's like, I don't know, the, just, like, seeing the picture affects your fate, because now that you've seen the picture, you're freaking out because you're going to die, and then that causes you to die, like, that type of thing. Or there's this one of this gambler, I don't want to just give all these away, I guess, but this... Oh, I saw that one with the camera. Yeah, where it ends up, like, the yeah, guy they, falls they out a window. Yeah, they robbed a pawn shop. <laughs> yeah. You know, they robbed a, robbed a jewelry store or an art store or something, and here was this weird camera. They turned out that all the jewels that they stole were, were worthless. Right. But here was this weird camera. And when they would take the picture, it showed something that was going to happen shortly after. And, uh, yeah, at the end of it, it showed how they were all going to die. And then, yeah, that was the only thing that was a little weird is how, like, they just kind of like, oh, no, I fell out the window. <laughs> it was a little much, but, but it was still cool, a cool idea. Or uh, there's one, did you see the one about the, um, the gambler who thinks he's in heaven? And because he's oh, like, didn't see that one. Yeah. Like, like he dies and then he's in heaven and everything's the best. Like he wins every slot machine and, uh, and you know, of the craps table or just like everything goes his way all the time. And then he realizes that if he wins everything all the time, that there's no point to life and he's actually in hell. Oh, no. <laughs> but it was kind of cool because it is just one of those neat little shifts of like, oh, yeah, like if you get everything you want all the time. Like, what even is anything? What the hell is that? <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, well, it's, it's that cool. old thing about what is heaven. And then uh, there's a few cartoons that were made about this in the 1950s. And, uh, you know, heaven's supposed to be so peaceful and lying around, around on clouds and, like, doing nothing. Like, doing nothing? Yeah. <laughs> for eternity? That's heaven? <laughs> yeah, it was that. Floating around with your wings on clouds? <laughs> I always thought, of like, I mean, I, I, I don't know, I started falling off that wagon pretty young of just, like, I don't really understand what anyone was talking about with all the heaven stuff, but I think the first thing I found weird was just the, like, the idea of, like, oh, you'll see everybody that you knew and you can all hang out, but uh, maybe just because my personality is, like, to not want to spend time with other people all the time, <laughs> but, but that's the first thing that tripped me up, is I'm like, so if I'm getting everything I want and they're getting everything they want, like... 
am I, would I even really be hanging out with them? Like, say I'm, I don't know, hanging out with uh, Granny McNally or something, and I don't want to hang out with her, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but in her version of heaven, she only wants to hang out with me. So it's like, are we even in each other's heavens at all? Are we even really, or is it just, I'm hanging out with some fake Granny McNally and she's hanging out with some fake version of me? Like, like, but this doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, and how if you're with this person all the time, or like, how do you get away from them? Mm. Yeah, like, it's just, just strange. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the notion of, if there was anything, like the notion of hell, at least there's something going on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, all that stuff. It's weird, like, I don't know, it's, like, I've, uh, you know, I'm trying not to just be a contrary and bitter jerk-off, especially as I get older, like, there's really no point to that. But, uh, so when people talk about God, I'm like, okay, you know, I can meet you halfway. God can mean a lot of things. It can just be a symbol for existence or reality or whatever. But then when they start talking about Jesus, actual Jesus, I'm like, okay, that's too much. <laughs> like, that's where you need to grow up. Like, come on. He's just some guy, like, he's not like son of God, blah, 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 like, I don't know. Yeah, they need to, they need to look at God as Christ as a man. Right. Who lived on this earth, had trials and tribulations just like the rest of us do. And, I mean, um, just, uh, just the... This thing about, whoa, and do they ever think about the crucifixion? They make it seem like it was a big glory day. Uh, Christ, can you imagine how horrible that must have been? Jesus. <laughs> and then just, yeah, I know, that's extremely What a bizarre. horrible way to die. Yeah, I used to love, uh, Bill Hicks had a bit about that, about, like, why why do Christians wear a cross? Like, why would Jesus want to see that when he comes back? <laughs> you know? Yeah, good point. <laughs> like, like, Jesus, really? Is that really that? You're just going to put that in my face now? You're going to remind me of that? And, uh, and he, Bill Hicks had a lot of good stuff about that, but also, like, because uh, he was from Texas and his parents were super religious. But just, like, the, um, the notion of, like, regardless of what Jesus was all about or whatever, just that, that the information we have about him is, like, definitely wrong. And even just with the Bible, like, his, he would say to his dad, like, you know, his dad is like, oh, it's the word of God. It's the direct word of God. And he's like, well, what's that on the front, though? King James's version. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right? See? That's King James's version. Like, everyone, like, even when, you know, people do that uh, Purple Monkey dishwasher game, like, telephone or whatever, like, you just whisper a sentence to somebody, and within three or four people, they've, they've messed up the message, and, like, the sentence on the other end is different. So, I mean, if you take a whole weird book that's been translated a bunch of times for 2,000 years, like, get real. Like, it's just so naive to think that that's that's the real deal. Well, and so much of it wasn't even a book until at least about 100 years after Christ died. So listen how many times those stories got passed around verbally. Yeah. At least if it's in writing, there might be some little bit of substance to it. But if it's those verbal stories, oh, good God. <laughs> yeah, so it's one of those things like I, you know, I think I'm trying to, uh, you know, learn uh, some tolerance and understanding of like people's personal beliefs. And if, you know, it's uh, how people see the world different and how they want to understand existence that's fine it's just yeah it's that direct sort of bible jesus stuff it's just it's like swiss cheese man there's so many holes it's like like and then the, or then there's the the idea of like well you know even even people that say like god oh, the bible's just a story it's just a metaphor and it's like okay great but there's better stories than that <laughs> you know if you're going to be drawing metaphors from something it's 
pretty much the worst book you could pick. It's fucking weird and nonsensical in this. Even, uh, I thought this was great, Kevin Smith, uh, again, the director guy, he went to church his whole life, really religious, and recently he's starting to get a little shaky about it because he was thinking about, or he was trying to teach some of this Bible stuff to his kid, and, uh, and he was going through them, and he realized that he was conflating the Bible with Aesop's fables. You know, because the fables at least have some kind of little moral or some kind of little message where the Bible stories are just batshit crazy of like, then we will cleave the baby in half and in twain and all this, or pillars of salt and just like, they're these crazy ass stories that don't even have a, a message or a moral at all. They're just crazy shit. And yeah, it's just very strange that that became the book. Well, I think it's because people can... Uh can read it and interpret it so many different ways it's kind of like however you want to whatever you want to get out of it it's in there yeah it just depends on how you look at it i think i don't know the way i kind of view it is uh just from a personality standpoint of like what kind of person someone is is basically just like if somebody tells me something i don't know i'm just a contrary and annoying guy so i don't necessarily believe them like i want to go check it out on my own Whereas if you're the type of person, if someone tells you something and you just believe it, that's fine. And then, like, when does that stop? It's like, okay, well, I believe this because my, my, my mom and dad told me. And uh, they know it because their mom and dad told them. And, like, we'll just take that for 2,000 years, and that's good enough for me. Like, that seems like the sort of fundamental difference to me. It's like, like, well, how could the Bible be wrong if all these people in my life say it's right? It would be crazy of me to, to, you know, deny their their ideas about it whereas I don't feel that way at all <laughs> you know? I'm more than happy to just be like I don't what just because you said it that makes it real that doesn't no well and the uh, people are uh, so many people are just ignorant of its beginnings anyway because there's so many stories in the Bible that really have their our replica story or something that's fairly similar to it that may have been written thousands of years before they found them among some of the Polynesian tribes. They found them in the Egyptian stories. Um, oh, there's any number of other cultures. The Babylonians had some of those stories. Um, and they're, they're just repeats in the Bible. You know, names have changed, circumstances a bit, but the basic stories are old stories, pre-existing stories. I'd say, I kind of wish, too, it was like, I just kind of wish we had a neater set of stuff like you know like yeah all the egyptian gods or like that iroquois book i was reading that seems so much cooler like i wish we had the the tons of different gods society if we're gonna make something up like that's just way cooler to me i don't know same we're neat oh that reminds me so um remember you brought up uh as we were talking about the iroquois book and then a few weeks back you mentioned a book that you found that you used to read to us as kids that i didn't remember and i still don't now remember Anyway, I was over in North Vancouver at a bookstore, and I found Jacob Tutu and the Hooded Fang. Oh, yes, I vaguely remember Jacob Tutu and the Hooded Fang. Yeah, because I remember that one. I was like, ah, oh, I remember that book. And, uh, and then, you know, I read it now that I'm a grown man. It's not like a great book or anything. <laughs> but, but, yeah, just that he's the little kid, the littlest kid in the family, and no one ever pays attention to him, so he says everything twice. And uh, it's really kind of a weird book, because, like, his parents send him to the supermarket to buy some vegetables because he never gets to have any responsibility so they send him and he says everything twice he's like i need you know 
some fresh tomatoes please some fresh tomatoes please and the guy that runs the market starts making fun of him like just just joking but he's like like acting like he's being disrespectful by saying everything twice and he's like but i always say everything twice i'm jacob tutu and he gets all upset and runs out of the place and then it becomes this weird dream sequence where he's on trial and all the adults are shitting on him. <laughs> and like, I don't know, it's a little heavy handed of just like, oh, it's so unfair being a kid and the adults are so shitty. And then the Hooded Fang is a wrestler that he ends up befriending. And I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> it's just a weird book anyway, but it was cool to read it again. Or just to see it again, even just to see something from when I was a kid. And I'm like, oh, look at that. Cool. Yeah, I've got a whole mess of those books still around here, and I'd forgotten about a lot of them, but when Allie used to come here when she was little, I used to, we hauled them all out, and I would read them to her. And that's when a whole lot of them, I said, oh, geez, I remember reading this Keith and Mark. And some of them are really excellent little books, and some of them are just crap. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting, too, with uh, Jacob Tutu. Like, I have a feeling it's probably not something that anybody from America listening to this probably knows because I uh, just I did some quick research about it and the guy who wrote the series I believe he was British but he had some kind of connection to Canada to Montreal like he either grew up here or he moved here or something and then they did like a Jacob Tutu cartoon series that was made in Montreal that I'd never heard of before but I always think that's neat that that seems to happen a lot of like the sort of uh, British Canada connection, you know, where we'll have these things that are kind of well-known in England and in Canada and then just not in the States. I always think that's kind of neat. Like, we kind of get the best of both worlds. Like, we're straddling both sides. Like, we know all the American pop culture, but we have that weird connection to to England as well. Yeah. I think any British books here that... It was neat, too, just with Jacob Tutu about, like, you know, just this weird little book that I was like, oh, that's a weird book that... Uh, you know, like I, I didn't know anything about its overall context, but then reading about it, it's not even surprising that we had a copy or that I found a copy out here because it was hugely popular. You know, where the places where the queen is on the money <laughs> for whatever well, reason. See, there used to be, uh, I don't know how many Americans would be familiar with these either. The Dandy, remember we, we had a, sure, a Desperate Dan? book of the Dandy comics from Britain here? Yeah. Is he skint? You know he is. <laughs> <laughs> How weird is that even that like that I'm sure in England Desperate Dan Yeah uh, Calling a guy Izzy Skint is fine But like how did we even know what that meant <laughs> That's weird Yeah and Desperate Dan And they're the only two I remember But there was a bunch of them um, Oh there's a whole mess of those guys And see The Dan the, I used When I was a kid We used to get Where did we get those from? We used to have dandy comic books that The actual uh, yeah, the actual uh, newsprint. There was like almost a weekly thing that came out. They would have the dandy in it. And somebody, somebody used to send those to us when I was a kid living in Marysville. But who the heck could it have been from Britain? That was, I don't think it was anybody from Britain. It was somebody Canadian who used to send them to, uh, to us, smart what? kids. And we would get them every, I don't know, once a month. And we'd pass them around till they were all rat-eared and everything else. So that's how I found out about the dandy. And uh, then later, when you kids were small, somebody gave us that hardcover book, or I found it at a book sale or something. And it had a whole, they were all together in that one book. But they were definitely like little, uh, they'd be like the, um, it's almost uh, like the Archie comic comics. books that you'd get weekly. 
Yeah, the, the comic section of a newspaper. Yeah, I think that hardcover we had, because I've seen other hardcovers since then that weren't the same one. Like, I think that was like the annual or whatever, like every year or something, they would put them all together. Because I wonder, I should look that up too, I wonder if that's another British and Canada thing, because obviously a guy named Izzy Skint is a British character, but man, that Desperate Dan dude, like, I remember the one we had in particular, He's like this big lumberjack looking guy. Yes, he's like a big lumberjack. And his whole thing was that his his dad or his grandpa would never treat him like an adult and he just was like growing out his beard to prove what a man he was and his grandpa just gave him a straight razor or something. But I'm just thinking like that's an extremely Canadian sounding character. <laughs> so I wonder if that was another kind of, but you know, like a collaboration between the two countries. I don't know, I should see if I can find that book someday and have a read of it. Because just thinking about it is making me laugh. <laughs> I can't even remember anything specific about it. Well, that's a, a thing, too, is that, uh, you know, when I got that job at the comic store, I started learning about, is, like, there's a lot more, even just comic strips uh, in Europe in general, in Italy and France and England. Like, they, they're just, they're a lot more kind of varied and respected they're not just like America, which America is just superheroes and Archie, <laughs> and that was it. So I think that's even another reason why we got more of these kind of weird other comic books is because Canada has that that little line on Europe as well. Oh, but the Americans had Mad Magazine and those. Yeah, that's true. Those kind of weird, freaky things that went on for years and years and years. I mean, Alfred E. Newman was kind of a weird character, and then you had the Spy versus Spy guys that were regulars in that thing. Yeah, I wonder if Mad is still going. I assume it probably is, but I haven't seen one in a while. But yeah, I remember when I was in, like, elementary school, that would be the ultimate thing. I remember Matthew Jewett, he had uh, a subscription to Mad Magazine and to Nintendo Power. (laughs) It was like, Jesus, like, mind-blowing. Like, he would always bring the new issues to school, and it's like, you're the luckiest kid in the world. (laughs) And you've got Velcro shoes? Oh, my God. Like, (laughs) what could be better? You know what I always remember about that kid, about Matthew Jewett, is uh, he had one of the Nintendos that was like the super deluxe one that came with the power pad. It was like a pad that you put on the floor and it had like a little uh, like track and field game that you would run on the run on the pad and whatever. But I remember I went over to his house to play it and uh, he had such a different philosophy where it was always like a battleground at our place of like, all right, you play a game, but then I get to play a game and, you know, we'll switch back and forth where the whole like couple hours I was at his place, he just let me play. And he's like, no, it's fine. I'll just let you play. I like watching you play. And I was like, this is, a, this is amazing. <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> Not a bad lad, that guy. I assume he still is. Who knows? You can only assume. Oh, I met his mother not too long ago. What did she tell me he was doing? The younger fellow's in the RCMP, his brother Ryan. Yeah, I really didn't know him at all. Uh, Matthew. Yeah, because all I remember is that I kind of fell out of touch with Matthew, and then he had some kind of car accident when I was in my early 20s, but or like a, some kind yeah, of accident. Yeah, and he recovered from that. Right. Um, oh, he's some big wig somewhere making all kinds of money somewhere, but I can't really remember what it was she told me he was doing. I'm sure if I ever run into her again, she'll tell me. Yeah, it's kind of weird, too, just the way people sort of drift in and out or whatever because I remember I ran into him at a movie theater when there was a movie theater on the north side for a while it was like the little Toonie theater or whatever so it was the early 2000s I guess and I saw him there and just like me and the Hardings and Matt Jenkins and whoever were there and I was like oh hey Matthew how are you and then just 
kind of that was it <laughs> you know I never saw him again after that but that reminds me just uh just recently like maybe three weeks ago so um when I used to live here in Vancouver there was the girl Erin who I met at the coffee shop and her boyfriend was this guy Derek and I remember there was a Christmas like 2006 probably where me and him had nothing to do on Christmas so he was one of the people that I just hung out with on Christmas <laughs> you know the famous Christmas clubs and my various crappy Christmases and uh but then you know I moved away and then he broke up with Aaron and you know years and years went by so when I came back to Vancouver I'm still friends with Aaron on Facebook and she lives in Victoria so I was like hey you know maybe we'll cross paths at some point but I never asked about Derek I'm like whatever they broke up I guess that's the end of it I'll never see him again and then I went to see this band, this band called Propagandy, that's from Manitoba, I think. And this dude, Derek, went to every punk show ever back in the day. But it never crossed my mind that he might be there. I didn't even know if he was still in Vancouver. But I was at this punk show, and, and I saw him. And, I'm like, and it was like, it's been so long that I'm like, that is him, right? <laughs> you know, like, I think that's him. And it was kind of cool. Like, during a little break or whatever, I was like, yo, Derek, man, what's up? And... Haven't, again, I haven't seen him since then. Maybe that's it. Maybe I'll never see him again. But it was still cool. It was just, like, like neat. <laughs> like, and did he remember you? Or? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I'd be, again, I'm, like, Facebook friends with him now. So at least at least I got that tether. If I ever, for some reason, need to hang out with him or something, like, I have some, you know, way to contact him. But, uh, yeah, and I don't know. I guess it's, like, it's one of those things, too, where I'm always kind of like, ah, oh, cool, like, hey... I'm back. Let's just hang out all the time now or something. Like, that's kind of where my mind goes, even though I wouldn't even want to hang out all the time. But but then, uh, like, yeah, I became his Facebook friend, and that was just kind of it. You know, it's just kind of fizzled from there. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. Like, I guess I have been gone for a long time. <laughs> and he's just, you know, got his own friends and doing his own thing or whatever. But it was still cool. It was just a neat little thing. Or uh, Vince, who I used to work at the coffee shop with, I went to his birthday party. And it was weird at first because I didn't know anybody, but you know, by the end of the night, yeah, we're all hanging out and it's all cool. But then I haven't really hung out with him either. Like, I guess I could just make more effort to try to hang out with people. But like now that I don't have the coffee shop job, it is like a little bit, little bit uneventful my week. So I'm just kind of like, you know, just doing my thing or whatever. But uh, it's a little tough to get over that hump of, uh, I don't know, actually going out of my way to hang out with people but the point is at least I know some people so that's good like you know they're still out there so you're not becoming reclusive are you I mean well not not technically because I'm still kind of doing the thing where I just have no uh food at home <laughs> it's a great motivator to get out of the house of like well I gotta go get something to eat so so like I'm outside all the time and just uh you know going out and going places but it is always just kind of by myself so I'm, I'm out in the world amongst people, like, all the time. But it's just, you know... But yeah, like, uh, I don't know, I've got this, this class, although there's only three more weeks left of the class. And uh, I still do stuff occasionally. Like, I went to... Remember that Ethiopian restaurant that you hated? Yeah. <laughs> well, I went to that exact restaurant with a bunch of the people from, from my last coffee shop job. It's like eight of us. We all just went there and had Ethiopian food. So, like, I still do stuff here and again. Yeah, sure. We have a new dog. Oh, God, I think it was a mistake getting her. So where did this dog come from? I feel like I'll close his door. Sure. 
Yeah, she's a Jack Russell, and she's as snappy and growly as can be. So, uh, did you inherit this dog from somewhere? Yeah, well, we kind of went looking for her, so we're stuck with her now. She's a real snappy thing. She's eight years old. I never realized how temperamental they were. Because Janet used to have uh, Jack Russell. Spencer and I, you see, always seems like a decent little thing. Well, these dogs are not decent. <laughs> they, uh, the people that had her, they're a young couple, but, well, probably a little bit younger than you. Right. Anyway, they, uh, the fellow had her, had this dog since it was a pup. And, uh, and then he got married, and they had a baby, and the little gal is, she's about a year old now, and walking, and they had to get rid of her because this dog would, this dog would just go right for her, I'm sure. And if she had anything in her hand and it wanted it. Oh, yeah. We just grab for her. Yeah, like he's, she's attacked poor little Jimmy, our little poodle there, a few times. And she's just not, uh, she's just not, uh. <laughs> well, that's like, uh, for some reason I have a lot of Kevin Smith anecdotes today, but he, uh, he always talks about he had, um, two dogs or three dogs or something, but, but that he got, you know, a dog that was like one of those super crazy expensive, like thousands of dollars dogs. But that dog was just like the most well-trained, most well-behaved, greatest dog ever. And then he went and got like a little wiener dog just from a mall or something. And that that dog was just an asshole forever. <laughs> you know? Like it really does. Different dogs have extremely different temperaments. And maybe it's sometimes it's worth it to get the crazy expensive dog because they're, they're the awesome dogs. Well, usually they say mutts are about the best. And, uh, but this, this is a purebred. And uh, I've read quite a bit about them online. And they are they, they're very uh, possessive. Right. They're very um, uh, food food generated. I mean, it, she'll attack anything. They're like little bullies. They they like think they're uh, like giant dogs in these little powerful bodies. Well, they're trained to be ratters. Right. Uh, and they you see the teeth on the thing. Holy Jesus! And uh, well, she's not real nice. Yeah, that actually reminds me of a story I heard recently of somebody who had one of the small type of dogs like that that is really aggressive and barky all the time. And uh, it's like the, the dog slipped its leash and ran after something pretty big, like a, a badger or something, and chased it down its like badger hole. And the owner was like, well, I guess that's it. I guess my dog's dead now. But then the dog came out with the dead badger. <laughs> like Even though it's little, like that's what it's bred to do. And it's, yeah, it's like the crazy psycho dogs. I don't remember exactly what kind of dog that was, but. Yeah, well, this, this, this would be a psycho dog. Anyway, when I thought, I was just thinking, oh, geez, this is the worst thing I've ever had. I met this couple last week who, they inherited one, and he's only two years old. They said, oh, yeah, you can be just so sweet, and <laughs> can turn right on a dime. <laughs> she's, she's quite a bit like that. It really does seem like, if I'm remembering all the chronology right, but it seems like like W.E. was the first dog, and he was like the, uh, you know, sort of regal, respectable, like, I'm a cool dog. And then it just, every dog, and it's like every dog got a little bit less regal, you could say, or a little bit less Yeah, but some of them were just as nice, like that Jocko. Jocko was was a real sweet thing. Well, sure, and that's dog number two, still still high in the... He was not bad-tempered, or... And Jimmy is like that. Jimmy is not bad tempered at all. He's just he's really a really nice dog. Barks a lot and is annoying that way, but a nice right. little dog. Bailey was a nice little dog. Fritz was a nice little dog. <laughs> this one is not a nice little dog. 
Man, anyway, just... one thing, I won't have to worry about people coming to visit. Right. Nobody will ever want to come here. <laughs> That's like I had forgotten about this. I was just thinking about it the other day. But like last time I was home, whatever that was, a couple summers back, and uh, I was just having all kinds of weird sleeping problems in general and everything was just kind of sucky. But like, yeah, that I went and started sleeping in the porch because I just the barky dogs would wake me up. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're worse now. <laughs> yeah. And this one will rip the feet right off you. <laughs> you might not ever be able to come home, Keith. <laughs> yeah. Well, what can you do? Anyway, we're stuck with her now. Cause, and and they, this couple, I felt really sorry for them because I'm sure they've been trying to find a home for this dog uh, since their baby was born, I, I bet. They didn't quite say that. Anyway, they were real. They they were really broken up about giving her away because even on her birthday, they sent her a birthday box, which had a rubber chicken in it and some treats and balls and all these things. And and they've kept in contact with us. We've had her about two months now. They've kept in contact to make sure she fits in, and they would take her back if she wouldn't fit in. Well, she's kind of fitting in, but. So do you think uh, when their kid gets older, they'll take the dog back, or is this just your no, dog now? I don't think so. I, I, don't, I don't think this dog will be dead before that little. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. See, this dog's eight years old now, so she's probably looking at another ten years. Well, that little girl's only a year old. Right. And uh, I don't think they I don't think they could ever take her back because I don't think she'd ever accept that child. <laughs> well, at least you they got probably a... would have had an easier time finding a home for the child than they would have for this dog. At least you've got a big house, though. That's always a bonus, you know? Oh, yeah, and then she goes off and finds her own place, and Jimmy goes off and finds his own place. But, like, tonight I was feeding them a little treat, and I, just, just out of the blue, she just turned on Jimmy and put him right in the corner and goes right for his neck and his eyes. Oh, she's, she's, uh, she's out there whining now to get in here. Oh, I want to get in here and find my bed. She's a beautiful bed that they gave us. That dog's never slept in it since she got here. She's got a bed now, a big bed. Man, it is a weird thing though, yeah, just having having animals in a house, like it really is a weird. Did you ever, and then I, remember, I never remember where I hear these things or whatever. I'm just, I guess, cause I'm just watching random videos about IBS and stuff. Like I'll just learn whatever, but about how dogs became domesticated. It was interesting, like these guys did, uh, like their own sort of version of it where they took a bunch of wolves and they like just found the wolves that were just kind of naturally a little bit uh, meaner and the ones that were naturally a little bit nicer and just started breeding them that way and within like if I don't know not that many generations the nicer wolves basically turn into dogs like they got soft ears and uh were just like kind of like nice and not horrible whereas the other side just got crazier and crazier <laughs> and yeah it's just kind of interesting just kind of breeding out but i mean how much how much madness can you really breed out of an animal though or a person or anything like we're all just nuts but well and this dog i mean she's come a long way with accepting us but uh, I, but she's eight years old now you know we'll never be able to totally socialize her just have to accept it that's just how it is yeah if only there was some way you could like just through a magic spell or something you could just bestow comprehension on a dog just for 30 seconds just just long enough to be like listen this is how it is you're not the alpha you're a fucking dog (laughs) calm down (laughs) but you never can 
I mean, I remember I also read a thing about um, people that were working with uh, like some kind of gorillas or apes or whatever, and uh, like they raised this one ape from being little and like you know as though it were a baby and and they always hung out with it, the researchers, and like everything was great. But there just reaches a point where, where just physically, it just gets way out of balance. So you've got this thing that's still kind of like a weird little kid. It's like, you know, a two-year-old or something. Like it knew a bunch of sign language and was kind of smart. But it, all it takes is that moment of it to get kind of agitated and worked up. And, uh, and yeah, it like, it was, did something awful. It like pulled off some woman's like finger or something. It was like really brutal. And then the next day was just like, don't you guys want to play? Like what? What's the problem? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you just—it's an animal, man. Like, what can you do? And then I guess eventually that's why I like trained uh, apes and stuff in movies. Like, always have to be really young because there just reaches a point where there's like the point of no return. Like, it just just isn't socialized anymore, and it just becomes uh, just becomes a big ape that'll just beat you up. <laughs> Well, not different, uh, you know, no different than people. We yeah, have that aggressive streak in us, too. And you let it kind of loose. And then not, <laughs> you know, and people lose control. It's not that much different than those animals who we are trying to raise to be human. But then, hey, like, what's human? Well, We're all there, animals. And there is, too, there's that, it was a really famous video that was floating around about the people that raised uh, a tiger from when it was little and then released it into the wild. And then it was years later, like seven years later or something, the same researchers found the same tiger because it had been tagged or whatever. And they were like, he'll remember us, it'll be fine. And the tiger actually did. It like came over and hugged them and stuff and didn't kill them. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, I, you're lucky though. <laughs> like, I wouldn't have tried that. But, but sometimes it works. Oh yeah, I guess the one other thing, just because we were before the dog was barking, just about uh, people in town and stuff. That is one thing that, um, I mean, I'm still kind of, I'm already kind of like, oh, I wonder if I should move again or whatever. But uh, I just found out Matt Jenkins, um, he applied for a job out here. So. Oh, did he? So you never know. I'll definitely hold off then and see what happens with that, because that would be cool. Hmm. Yeah, he's also just kind of spinning his wheels in Toronto, so that would be pretty sweet. That could be a good little, like, yeah, and if he comes, then okay, I'll hang around here. And if he doesn't, then, well, maybe. Maybe I'll move on somewhere else. We'll see. Someday, Keith, you might have to settle down and actually get solid employment for years. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't think so. <laughs> Just seems seems pretty miserable. I even feel like any kind of whatever kind of career-y type stuff I ever end up doing, like, so much stuff in this world is... uh mobile you know like the only reason it's not is because people aren't used to it or they like to keep an eye on their employees but yeah i don't know going to the same place every day doing the same thing i don't think that's for me i guess not yeah and i mean there's always there's always alternatives there's always options you know whenever people are like yeah just that whole that whole uh, kind of notion of uh you know just just put your head down and whatever <laughs> take what the world gives you I don't know. I mean, I mean, again, this is like, this is all just jumping straight to the end of the game. But it's like, dude, we're all gonna die sooner than later. Like, why am I gonna do what you told me to do? <laughs> you know, as if there's not alternatives. It's a gigantic world of seven billion people. I'll fucking figure something out. Well, as long as you're still content. 
well, you know, as good as, I mean, that's, uh, I don't know, that's the thing too, is like, uh, I was, there was this researcher that I was watching her talks about, uh, she was doing talks, or it was like research about people that, they call it limerence, when you're like super obsessed in love with somebody, like beyond any kind of sense, and you're just like, you know, like addicted to another person type of thing. And, uh, and it was just research about that, but she was saying that in the research that her team did about this, like, one of the weird conclusions they came to is, is that, uh, like, biologically, you know, with this whole thing of us just evolving into these weird walking upright, walking around on the planet, giant-brained, you know, talking creatures that we are, like, there's nothing in that equation that says we're supposed to be happy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's not part of the deal. Part of the, the whole deal is just to, to reproduce. That's it. That's the only point of any life. And yeah, it was kind of, it was a downer, but not. It was like, she was saying, like, that doesn't mean you can't be happy, but any happiness that you find, you've really got to make on your own because the world is, nothing about the equation of the world is, says that that's something you are supposed to have, <laughs> you know? But I kind of like that in a way because that is, Again, it's like, you know, if you're not happy, then you got to go sort something else out. But no matter what you sort out, you're not just going to be happy all the time. Like, that's a wildly unrealistic expectation. Yeah, that's probably very true. Because, yeah, well, of course we're here just to procreate. That's what everybody else is here for. Yeah. I yeah. mean, all, all animal life and everything else. Nobody want, Nobody cares about or wonders whether they're happy or content. They're here to procreate. Well, so are we. And that's it. Yeah, like, even if you look at, like, evolution of, like, like, yeah, it's not, like, like, that's never gonna, if evolution did have a will, that's still not gonna fall into its, like, uh, spotlight of, like, I'm not sure these creatures are happy enough. I think maybe we need to evolve. Like, that's never gonna be a part of it. No one cares. (laughs) The only difference between us and, and animals is that, you know what, we can choose. We, we, we're, we are here to procreate, but we can choose to not if we don't want to. Right. Whereas I don't know that animals can necessarily choose that. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting that we have that awareness of, like, that there are 7 billion people and it's like, it's not the end of the world. Like, I do think that's kind of weird. Like, it's not like I'm deliberately not going to have kids or anything. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. But then I think, like, well, as far as this particular sort of genetic line goes, we're pretty well covered. I got, like, 8,000 cousins, (laughs) you know? Like, even looking at it from that way, it's like, you know what, it's fine. And then even to look at it from the global sense, it's like, it, we're definitely okay right now. Yeah, I mean, but we as a race have, have, has a, have also um, done research and so that now we have pills that, we have condoms, we have pills, we have operations that can say we won't procreate. So that's what I mean, we choose. It's We can actually choose to say, you know what, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get a vasectomy, or I'm going to get my tubes tied so that I do not have children, because I choose not to have them. doesn't mean you're not going to have the sex, which normally would have led to procreation, but you can actually choose not to have that well, that's, uh, birth. That's one thing, too, that this could be a Twilight Zone episode, that uh, another thing I was reading about, I don't know the specific science behind it, but there were, it was about aging, and the, the rough thing is just like, as our cells kind of, you know how they say like your cells every whatever, seven years or something, like all your cells have been replaced and you're sort of a different person or whatever, but it's that uh, 
it's like every time your cells respawn, they're slightly shorter, I think was the explanation. And that's what causes someone to age. Like they just get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter until they're done for and you're dead. So they were like, you know, if we could crack that, that's when we wouldn't get older and we could live forever. And there's even like a, there's a jellyfish that it uh, gets older and then younger and older and younger. Like it never dies until someone kills it, <laughs> which is just fucking nuts. But if they crack that, how weird would that be? Because then it's like, we'll be sort of frozen. Like everybody that's on earth will just be who's on earth. And maybe we'll just like sterilize everybody. And like our whole, like that'll be a whole, it just doesn't, it doesn't sound good to me. It sounds like a, some horrible nightmare planet yeah. that they'd find in Star Trek or something. It does sound like the Twilight Zone, <laughs> but, but if they crack the code, like, then what would that mean? Like, if there is a way for people to stop getting older, you can't just tell them not to do it, <laughs> you know? But then what do we do? Like, yeah, do you stop the, do you stop the, the birth? Yeah, because then what do you do? If, you, if, if we never die, but more people keep coming into the world... And surely that's not better. Like, surely it is better to continue to evolve on whatever slow scale with, like, you know, out with the old, in with the new. Yes, so just I'm like, in here and I closed that door because that dog was barking. But anyway, yeah, I'm just rambling at this point. But I guess what I was trying to get at is, um, is like, yeah, that's the thing with just what sort of, you know, wander around the city. It's not, it's not even being happy or unhappy. It's just like kind of come into terms with how kind of boring life is in some ways <laughs> you know i'm in this beautiful place and i go hiking around all the time and go to all these places but you know it's starting to wear off i've been here a while now and it's just like i guess that's okay though life doesn't have to be exciting every stupid day that's why i didn't ask if you were happy i just said as long as you're content <laughs> yeah well like even that like i feel like that was a lot of the like going to new york and trying to be a little bit famous and hanging out with people and talking to 50,000 people on a podcast like all of that was that search for like yeah let's go do exciting stuff and let's have life be exciting and just stressed me out and it sucked (laughs) so maybe it's not so bad if things are just a little bit boring it's not that big a deal for now we'll see because that's even like I mean I, I do plan to travel around some but it's weird like even my idea of like you know if I go to Europe or someday I definitely want to go to like Japan or something but when I envision it, it's just the same thing that I'm doing here. Like, I'm just going to go hang out in cafes and stuff and do writing and things. Just be in a different place. Like, I don't know, I'm not going to go to Europe and then go skydiving. <laughs> like, it's still going to be the same shit. I'll just see a slightly different view out the window. But, I don't know. Whatever, that's cool enough. Yeah, because I, I guess I'm just still, I don't know, still blah, blah, blah. But... But that's like what it seems like, like especially now that there's so little transparency, or so much transparency, I mean, where back in the day, if somebody was famous and you're like, well, that's a different world, like I can't even imagine what it's like to be Rock Hudson or whatever. Whereas now I have a pretty good idea what it's like to be Brad Pitt and it's not that interesting. So what, he's just some actor guy, he has a big house, <laughs> who gives a shit, <laughs> you know? Like, it's not like his life is so exciting or so great. Like, I feel like striving for super excitement in life, it just, it just ain't coming, you know? No, his life, he just has a job, just like... Yeah. He just has a job that he has to get up to when he's doing a movie, and he's got to go there and kowtow yeah. and... Yeah, because that's a, an interesting thing, yeah, that I've also started to realize a lot. Like when I'm saying, like, writing, like if I'm going to be a writer, it's going to be a lot of hours of just sitting there. It's just work like any other job. And, yeah, that that's the same with anything. Like, uh, 
Like, I always think of Steven Spielberg. Like, you can't get more famous and more successful as, an, as a director than him. But it's just another grind, you know? He's still just making movies and, like, still just another day at the office. <laughs> like, he's not really in Jurassic Park, <laughs> you know? He's actually doing something that's probably pretty boring a lot of the time. A lot of hard work. There's no way, no way around it. But also, I can avoid just jumping straight into the maws of it and, you know, working in a cubicle or something. Like, I'm not going to do that. It's not, again, it's not, like, so different what I do every day. I just sit in a coffee shop and write stuff. But at least I can do it in front of a, a different window every day or go for a walk to a different neighborhood every day, you know? Yeah, I guess it must be getting late on your side, too, right? I shouldn't keep you too long. It's quarter to ten here now. Yeah, I guess I should let you go. Again, it's not like I had a whole lot to report, but it feels like, I don't know, we found some things to blab about. Always something, something to blab about. The Twilight Zone. Yeah, I might watch a show or a season of those, a session or two of those before I go to bed. So yeah, is this one of those things where you can just, uh, like, pull up episodes? Like, oh yeah, will? it's great. Yeah, any time of the day or night, you can go on to the Show Me channel and watch whatever you want. No commercials, whenever. Nice, yeah, so I, I know the one I'm thinking of. It was definitely a season premiere. I'm going to guess season three, but it's, like, called, you know, something about, like, the last last person on Earth or whatever. If that one's on there, it's really, really, really cool. Well, so. after I watch 25 shows of season one, then I'll <laughs> switch to, to season three. <laughs> nice. All right, well, I guess I'll let you go then. Okay. Great hearing from you. So I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks, two weeks, three weeks, whatever. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Let me see if talk I have something soon. to say. Okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye.